Welcome to Get Better at Garbage with your host, Colin Bell, COO of Recycle Smart, Canada's fastest growing recycling technology company. We talk tech, innovation, and inside secrets with top industry experts every week. You'll find exclusive content, interviews, and commentary from the leaders in the North American recycling industry. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Get Better at Garbage. Again, today, my goal is not to say obviously. So, Jessica, if I say obviously, ring the buzzer or give me the loud. Eh. Last week, we did really well. I only said obviously three times. So, we're on a roll, obviously. Uh, today, a really interesting uh, guest and very timely, actually, with what's going on in the world with COVID. I have the CEO and co founder of Food Mess, Food Mesh. Oh, geez, Food Mess. That's a whole other website. Don't go there. Uh, Jessica Regan. <laughs> is joining us today to talk about Food Mesh, which is a really interesting technology platform. Uh, and she's going to fill us in a bit on where Food Mesh fits into the circular economy. So welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you, Colin. Happy to be here. Um, so let's start at the beginning, which is where we are now. How did Food Mesh start? What was the founding story or the Eureka moment? Or did you always know yeah. from a young, young girl that you wanted to be in this space? You were born to eliminate food waste. Yeah, you know what? Um, it's a bit of a, a happy accident, I guess. I was uh, blissfully enjoying a, another career, and until uh, I realized that uh, the state and, and the size of uh, food waste in our country. So um, I had very much a different background, not in food or technology, but um, I had a couple of friends that sent me photos of container loads of avocados and onions that were uh, ending up on, in compost, uh, and they were perfectly edible. And, you know, as I started to look into it and inquire, I said, why on earth is this being composted? And it was because it was too ripe for retail and there was no alternative market to send that to. Um, and the default option was to either uh, to just dispose of it because currently it's, it's still cheaper and easier to throw product out than it is to, to uh, redistribute it. So, you know, it's one of those things that you wish you almost never really knew about. Um, it's an inconvenient truth, I guess. And I became obsessed with this. Like, why are we throwing out container loads of products um, and when we have you know 20% of our, our population's food insecure. So it's one something that just really bothered me for, for about a year. I looked into it, uh, started doing some research and realized that actually I think I, I think I can help this. So um, that's when uh, Food Mesh was born back in 2016. What were you doing before Food Mesh? Were you in the technology space or is this a completely new pivot in terms of the career? Oh yeah, it's it's entirely different. I was working with um, First Nations and uh, natural resources, doing uh, socioeconomic development. So um, it was it couldn't have been more different. Um, uh, but the the one thing that is similar is Food Mesh is about bringing together all different types of stakeholders along um, that are involved in a in a particular uh, um, area. So um, for example, with Food Mesh, we work with farmers and distributors and retailers, and we connect them to buyers and charities and composters. So Food Mesh is effectively a, um, a, a super network, and we use our technology to, to connect people. Um, and previously, I was working with um, different First Nations that had competing interests, as well as industry and government. So it was really about coming together, starting a dialogue and figuring out, okay, well, how do we, um, we have shared purpose here, how do we kind of work together to 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 move forward. So um, those skill sets are very transferable and I'm happy that uh, I was able to to transfer them over to our work. 
Awesome. Yeah. So getting people to work together where sometimes they don't see that they may have a shared a shared purpose or a shared benefit that maybe they're a little bit blind to. So maybe talk to us about today, who is Food Mesh today? And use whatever metric you uh, think kind of illustrates Food Mesh in terms of locations or pounds of food handled or, or how do you track what's going on at Food Mesh in terms of the scale of your operation? Yeah, so Food Mesh, so we, um, we are a social impact business. So we track many different things um, in addition to just revenue. So uh, Food Mesh is uh, very much a network of uh, businesses and charities. We are a B2B network. Um, and we have um, over a thousand organizations in our network um, from a- across the supply chain. And, um, you know, we are now, um, we started in 2000, we launched our platform in 2017. And today we're at over 5 million meals recovered. So this is food that was destined to either landfill or compost. Uh, but we identified that there's other alternative routes uh, to, to save that food, I guess. And so um, we work with a large network of charities um, and we've rescued over 4,000 kilo of, of, of product to date since our launch. Wow. Um, those are some, some big numbers. And food waste obviously is a huge issue and problem. So obviously there's lots of problem to solve in terms of volume of problem. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, I think, from every, every human, it doesn't matter what your political affiliation or cultural background, it's, I think every human can agree on a visceral level that food waste is bad, and so is food insecurity. And, you know, so just to give some background, you know, there's, there's a study that says 58% of all food produced in Canada is lost or wasted, um, you know, and one in eight people in Canada are food insecure. But what, what people don't really know is the fact that a lot of this food is still edible, it's avoidable, and our mission is to um, to help find alternative routes using the, what we call the best and highest end use. So, product comes in, we act like a, a switchboard or a motherboard where we then redirect it to uh, buyers if it's still saleable, charities and farmers, and then if not, then compost. Um, so, we're basically a big um, a big matchmaker. <laughs> right, the matchmaking not for online dating, but in this case for matching up your food that you may have with someone that obviously could use it. Oh, I said, obviously that's terrible. Um, (laughs) Could you explain a bit about the problem that food mesh is solving in the, in the food supply chain? So I'm a grocery store or food distributor and I have some product that I need to get rid of some food uh, product. And so what was happening before and why is this challenging? Like to me, it seems kind of like a no brainer, but also a lot of things are harder than they seem. So I've got a palette of, XYZ, I can't sell it for whatever reason. So yeah. now what do I do with it? Is that really what Food Mesh is solving? Is that what do I do with it? I, I can yes. put it in the compost bin or the into the compactor, or I could do something else, but that else is pretty hard to get to. Yeah, exactly. So oftentimes, um, like uh, companies that, that, that care, they would, they would call their local food bank, for example, and say, I've got a pallet, you want to come pick it up. Uh, the challenge is sometimes these uh, food banks, either they don't have the truck that day or they're not accepting that product. And there's often not um, other charities on their call list. So, or also even um, reselling product. It's a lot of um, coordination and that, that coordination takes a lot of time and money. So they would, the way the economics work is they like, I'm going to write this off and I'm just going to discard a bit. Um, and I'm just going to build that into our, our you know, our, sh- our shrink. So uh, what we're doing is creating a central communication tool and bringing on a network onto our platform so that it creates notifications to anybody within that region that can pick up. And so we create these smart matching um, um, features in order to make sure that that food finds a home 
um, because we believe that like waste is actually, um, it shouldn't exist. Waste only exists when there's no end user. So food is not waste. Um, with the retail, the groceries, for example, every day they shrink out product that has a, you know, one or two days before best before or has a cosmetic defect. Um, before they were just putting into the compost or maybe donating the bread to charities. What we've done is we've, we create local recovery networks around each store. Um, we, we select one charity to pick up on behalf of all the other charities. Uh, the smaller charities that may not have transportation will then be part of, of the support network. And so the lead charity would come pick up all the product, take what they need, share with the smaller soup kitchens. Um, it's like that hub and spoke model. And then farmers would then come pick up the hub, take the, the, the you know, the produce trim for their, their chickens. And, and then if there's inedible meat, it might go to an animal sanctuary. Um, but the idea is that there is a match for everyone and every food. And that's what we do. That's really cool. And maybe just take us down to the loading dock in terms of I'm a grocery store manager and I've got my pallet and I'm a food mesh uh, customer client member. And yeah. so how do I do this? Do I call you? Do I email? Do I, how do I get this out into the network? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, so we have two different programs. We have a marketplace. So the marketplace is a free to use tool. Any, any business can list product there. Um, and it's for one off. So they just call us, we have a concierge service or they can just list it on the network. Um, but the retail, because it's recurring every day, uh, we actually have a, a, a subscription model where, uh, businesses, uh, pay us to project manage and make sure that the charities are signing waivers and the farmers are vetted and everything's done safely. Um, because as you can imagine, there's, um, there's quite a lot of moving parts and we have to make sure that it's, it's just, it's just done safely and soundly. Um, because, uh, trust is really the linchpin in all of this, um, working. So let's talk about that trust. Uh, we often hear liability or risk concerns that lead to the destruction of edible food. Is this a concern? So I'm a producer and maybe I have some, something that's slightly past its best before date or its shelf date, or maybe it's a little bit damaged and I want to donate it. But I think, Ooh, what if something goes terribly wrong here and people get sick or I could get sued? Is that an issue still, or have we overcome that? It's a perceived issue. So I would say that the, it, I would even go to the myth of liability. So there is a uh, legislation in place to protect donors. So unless there's malintent or gross negligence, meaning if you are really kind of sloppy with it or you mean to create harm, you are, you are protected under this legislation. But we go further and, and provide a commercial guarantee. So we work with the suppliers to make sure that they're doing best efforts so that nobody gets sick. Um, and so, and we also just reassure people saying no, that, um, you weren't, you're not going to get sued if we do it properly. So we build in like training material and with grocery stores on how to pack that food, not just safely, but also with dignity. Um, the last thing a food bank wants is to receive a bunch of food that's been dumped. You know, there's a watermelon on top of strawberries and so forth. There's gotta be dignity right, right. all of this. And so we really work with all the moving, all the players in the uh, consortium, I guess, and make sure that they're all doing their part for, for this to work. And it, and it is working, you know, it's, it's growing so quickly. And, um, the feedback, um, from the stores and the charities and the farmers is, is really like what keeps us going. So let's talk about which businesses are a good fit or which sectors. Is it any businesses generating food waste? Like would a restaurant be able to use food mesh or is it more for the larger volume generators or where, where's the sweet spot? So there's a role for everybody, um, but typically uh, we focus on um, wholesale and retail. Uh, we don't really deal with leftovers. So the things that we do not accept um, are uh, product that's cooked. 
um, and, and what really is, um, yeah, um, we deal with surplus, so pre-consumer goods. Um, so that's perfect for the supply side. But restaurants are often on our marketplace purchasing products. So we've got truffle salts and, you know, uh, truckloads of, of, of beef jerky that they use the wrong seasoning and, and they need, they're going to destroy it. And we have 48 hours to find a home for it. Like some of the cases that we that come across our, our desk are, are pretty staggering and, and um, pretty upsetting. So it, it really gives us our fire uh, on, on getting a, finding a home for this product because imagine that two truckloads of meat, that's 97 cows that were um, basically raised and harvested for no reason, only to end up in the landfill. It's, it's, it's quite upsetting. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I guess I think a lot of people think of food bank donation and they think of, you know, the case of beans, but you're right. It could be truffle salt. It could be perfectly good, you know, Wagyu beef or something that for some reason we need to find a home for. So it's not just, here's a sack of flour and some beans and things like that. Yeah, no, for sure. Like some of the product, and, and that's another thing is the misperception and the stigma around surplus. Like there's some incredible product, but sometimes producers miss the mark. They don't sell as much as they forecasted. Um, they have excess product. It has a couple of months of shelf life. We're we're seeing some really extraordinary luxury products that come uh, come through our way. Um, but what's really different with our approach is it's a demand driven approach. So charities are lo- no longer dumped on this product, saying here's here's ten pallets of potatoes. Like have fun. The charities are selecting how much they want and they're ordering from us. Um, and so. Um, it's a very different approach, and it has a bit more dignity than uh, than what um, is status quo. So, can you explain a little bit how Food Mesh works with food banks? Because I had another conversation with you, and this was really interesting. Is that a lot of food banks have budgets? Obviously, they mm-hmm. generate funds through various ways, and they can actually buy food off the platform. And so, this isn't maybe a hundred percent like a lot of people think donation. It's all about goodwill and things like that. But there is a commercial aspect here as well in terms of you know, food banks buy food, they might, like you said, be buying things they actually need and want instead of, you know, hey, I've got a truckload of watermelons, have fun with that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, we work with food banks and other food charities um, in many ways. Uh, on the marketplace, they're, of course, they, they have budgets they prefer to buy because they want to be, again, in control of the products that they want for their clients. Um, but on the retail program, we've started something pretty pretty interesting, um, I think, is uh, we actually do a revenue share with the lead charity. So um, the retailer hires us to make sure that all that food is removed um, and the lead charity picks up on a reliable basis. They enter that in their, how much they pick up into an app um, and we do a revenue share. And why that's important is um, now it allows the charity to plan to hire a driver to, um, to put in safety procedures um, and to basically create a bit more rigor around food recovery. Um, so, Last year we gave over eighty thousand dollars in revenue share, and this year we're earmarked for about three hundred thousand. So we, the charity partners, are very much partners. Um, so not only are they buying discounted products um, on their marketplace, but they're actually they're also creating um, a structure where there's reliability, predictability, and um, economic incentive for this product. So this really is like a reverse supply chain. It's not. Uh the old school kind of like call the volunteers of the food bank and maybe they can get a van there today. Maybe not. It's really becoming much more of a reverse supply chain with demand and obviously transportation and really trying to make, we obviously spent a lot of time and money getting food to distribution points and we're really good at it, but getting it out of places like that has been very low tech in the past. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're, 
we're trying to bring more structure and predictability to it. Um, and the food banks are a big part of that. How is technology and data reporting affecting the food donation diversion sector? Is it getting more important to track these metrics or do people not really care what's going on as long as it's disappearing and going somewhere to a good home? Yeah, so I would say that uh, the technology is, is such an important uh, factor um, in, in what we do and what we offer. So for us, our, our, our mission is to reduce avoidable wasted food. And the only way to really do that is by uh, showcasing and, and showing businesses how much they're actually throwing out. And sometimes they don't really measure that. So you can't really change what you don't measure if you don't have a baseline. So our systems are designed to put a spotlight on, on the volume of shrink and how much is actually edible versus inedible um, and where's the destination. So is it going to charity? Is it going to farmers? Is it going to compost, industrial, whatever the, the rooting is? We want to share that. Um, and on the retail side, actually, we're seeing up to 80% of some of the food that they throw out is, is perfectly recoverable, um, but it's just not um, saleable from a, a retail customer's perspective. Right. Yeah. And I think we have a very much uh, fascination with perfect food, especially in the vegetable side. You know, our tomatoes have to be very round and, you know, look like they're in a commercial where they bounce onto the counter with the water. And if it doesn't look like that, we're not happy, which obviously leads to a ton of waste, um, which is really, really crazy at the end of the day. I mean, a tomato is a tomato. Yeah, it's off the charts. But what's great is a lot of these groups that we work with, they're, they're really resourceful, like, um, and they create soups. But what's really interesting is now because we're providing predictable supply, they're creating programming like after school, um, uh, after school um, cooking lessons for, for school. So if it was only unpredictable, they weren't able to create programming, but now they have a steady supply of consistent product. Um, so it's, we're, cre- we're seeing some pretty interesting um um, byproducts of this, um, these programs. That's true. I guess if I'm running a program and I know I have a consistent supply of produce or a consistent supply of whatever it is, then I can start to say, okay, let's come up with something that we can do with this. That's yes. like, instead of where it's really random and it's like watermelons next week and then two trailers yep. of beef, it's really hard to run a program. Right. But what's also interesting is the fact that, uh, these charities before, um, now they're starting to collaborate with each other because they're, they're moving from a position of scarcity to one of abundance. There's more than enough food to feed uh, our food insecure. So that's something I want to get like super, like really crystal clear. We have more than enough food to feed our um, nation's food insecure, but it's all about coordination and getting the right infrastructure in place. So that is, that is what we're doing. And now that the, there's so much food um, abundance coming to these charities, they're working with ones that they haven't even had relations for uh, with. They were almost competing. Um, and now they're working together to make sure that that food gets distributed to um, a network. That's really interesting. Yeah, so the abundance then creates obviously more opportunities and less scarcity means people are more likely to work with each other because they're not worried about when am I going to get my next shipment or maybe I won't get any donations next month. So I'm going yeah. to keep this, keep this in my warehouse and I'm not sharing it with, with anyone else yeah. is um, what are the barriers to implementing a food recovery program? Like why doesn't every business do this? We still have a lot of food waste in Canada. Obviously food mesh is a platform. There's other platforms out there. Like what's the barrier when you walk into a business and say, Hey, this is what we do. We're yeah. successful at it. We've got the platform. We've got the track record. I mean, you're not, you know, a crazy dream startup anymore at this point. So why do, why do people say, yeah, I don't think we're going to do this? You know what? I, I think it comes down to two things. The first is um, just even being aware of the problem. A lot of decision makers aren't even aware of the size of their own um, avoidable shrink. 
Um, so uh, having that conversation and having them talk to their warehouse. Uh, and, and the second is actually change management. It's incredibly difficult to change the habits of people, of businesses uh, that are used to saying, okay, this is not sellable, therefore it goes into either um, uh, you know, either donation, but there's not really a lot of processes in place. It's, it's kind of an afterthought. So just bringing that to the forefront and getting uh, businesses to, to care about that. And that's where the metrics really come in. So we're now able to say, you've been able to rescue X amount. Uh, we build in, um, uh, we, we do spotlights and we say that how many meals they were able to recover, how many charities they're able to connect with, how much food and CO2. And that's really where the metrics um, uh, come in and the dashboards and, and the technology is really important for that change uh, behavior to happen. So, so telling that story and making it really hit home instead of you donated 15 tons, what that means in terms of meals or yeah. char charities that you supported or whatever that may be, which yeah. I think is important because obviously for humans, we often need that kind of relation to something that we can relate to because for sure. 12 for tons sure. of tomatoes, I'm like, well, that's a lot of tomatoes. But if that's like, you know, that's 5,000 meals. Yeah. Obviously, that may. Oh, I said the obviously again. Oh, it's it almost to the end. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of change, uh, lots of change in the last couple of months. We have to ask you the mandatory COVID nineteen. How has it affected your business? Are volumes up or volumes down? Um, I did see some things in the media about obviously. Oh, geez, we really need to get to the end before I say obviously more. The uh, supply chain really got rearranged with COVID, and yeah. so has that created an opportunity for food mesh or how has oh it affected gosh. you? Colin, it has been wild. It's been quite a ride. I would say volatile is probably the best term to use. Um, it's worth mentioning that I also had a baby about two weeks before COVID hit. So um, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, Let's put all the change in one basket. I know. Oh my gosh. So I had two kids under two, uh, no daycare, working from home and Navig stick handling our startup through a pandemic. Um, and uh, so we knew we were in for quite a ride. Um, but it, not only did we realize that our, our company is pandemic proof, we're actually an emergency service. Like we are in more demand than ever. Um, we were worried that uh, there wouldn't be as much time for us, but actually we had more business come and more contracts. And it's kind of when it rains, it, or when it rains, it pours. And that's kind of where we're at right now. So um, there's some exciting announcements coming in the future, but we've, um, We've uh, just partnered with, uh, signed on to new contracts and uh, partnered with United Way uh, to, to build out uh, some exciting initiatives. Um, and we're also working with cities on food recovery networks um, as a, at a city level. So COVID has been pretty intense, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it, it's also kind of jump-started us to the next level of, of startup land. You know, uh, we've graduated a couple of grades, I would say. Yeah, yeah I think a lot of businesses, uh, they're going to come out of COVID going, oh, that was you know, quite the ride, very volatile. But when you look back in a year or two, probably say, you know what, that really got us to do some things that we wouldn't have done for oh, years yeah. otherwise. Oh, it yeah. The no, silver linings all over the place, even in terms of, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been, it's been good for us, but it's been intense. So yeah, quite a ride. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last question. We have to ask you the, how do you like your eggs? Um, so do we have this kind of theory about how people eat their eggs is kind of a window into their soul. So Question oh. for you, your preferred way to eat eggs. So I like a good scramble. I love putting in all my favorite ingredients uh, from like putting sausage and, and spinach and all that and, and having a scrambled egg with all my favorite ingredients in there. Um, and I, that's how I like it, a big melange. Uh, um, yeah, that's how, I, that's how I do it. <laughs> 
Awesome. I'm also a big fan of the scrambled. And if you can mix in cheese and it's a good way to clean out the vegetable drawer, I find if you have some stuff that's about to go bad. Yeah, that's right. I throw her in there and uh, yeah, no waste on my watch. (laughs) Perfect. Well, great to talk to you, Jessica. And we look forward to some exciting new developments and announcements coming out in the future with Food Mesh. I've been speaking with Jessica Regan today, CEO and co-founder of Food Mesh. I will uh, provide a link on the podcast announcement to Food Mesh, the site. You can check it out. And it's a great platform. Anything we can do to reduce food waste, I'm all for. So thanks very much, Jessica. And I hope that the rest of your year maybe is a little bit less intense. (laughs) Thank you, Colin. Well, that's a wrap for this week. Remember, you can recycle past episodes at www.recycle-smart.com slash podcast and follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for joining us. And remember to get better at garbage, rock the recycling, and save some serious dough.